It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of the Locked On Reds podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts that your car will ever need are at rockauto.com. And when you go there, tell them Locked On sent you. You are Locked On Reds. Your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Reds fans? Welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Thank you so much for joining me today. We're going to talk about a Reds win. My, oh my, it feels like it's been so long since we've talked about that. They have ended the losing streak, and they did it in L.A. We're going to talk about that game. Also going to continue the minor leagues preview looking at AAA Louisville with Doug Gray. And we are continuing our walk through the Reds' history with Cam Miller. That's all on today's podcast. Before we get into all that, make sure that you're subscribed on whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and follow the show at Lockdown Reds and save the Lockdown Reds line number into your phone at 513-549-0159. All right, last night was awesome. And of course, it's a 10 p.m. start that had to go into extra. So by the time it was all said and done, it was like two in the morning, but the Reds won. Jesse Winker continues his torrid start to the season. Dude is now batting 382 and has an 11-game hitting streak, and it's it's 382 with damage. It's not like he's getting little cheap singles here, bloop singles there. He's killing the ball. He hit a home run, Apo Taco, off of Kenley Jansen last night. I mean, that is, Kenley Jansen has looked every bit the part of an amazing closer to begin this season, and Jesse Winker said, not so fast, my friend. What a killer home run that was. And Tyler Malley, oh my goodness. He only lasted five innings because he kind of ran his pitch count up there in the fourth and the fifth. But he still looked phenomenal. You can look at the box score and you can know that. You could have watched the game and you definitely would have known that. He was keeping every Dodgers hitter off balance. Mookie Betts kind of had a couple of good at-bats there. But hey, he's Mookie Betts. He's kind of like baseball's Superman right now, or at least in the National League. So, yes, great night for him, and great night by T.J. Antone and Lucas Sims. Holy cow. Lucas Sims looked phenomenal, struck out the first four batters he faced, did get into some trouble with a walk and a hit by pitch, but he was able to get another out. And then T.J. Antone finishing the game three innings. His season ERA is at .6. Holy cow, man. And, uh... The Pitching Ninja on Twitter called him Captain Hook. I think I'm going to roll with that. Like, I know I, I know Sparky was Captain Hook, but this is a different Captain Hook. i got to figure out a way to make a graphic of him with a hook hand. But, I mean, his, his curveball was just on point last night. The Dodgers couldn't do anything with it. The one thing we do need to talk about is our man Amir. He, man, he's, he's continuing to struggle. They brought him in with two outs in the seventh. It just needed to get one guy. It was Corey Seager, lefty-on-lefty matchup, and the second pitch he throws, Seager just completely destroys it to deep center field and ties the game with a two-run homer. 
I, I don't I don't know what's going on with Amir right now. I don't know how you fix it. You can't send him down. He's out of options. So if you were to try and send him to AAA, you would expose him to waivers, and every single team in the league would have the chance to pick him up. And I find it hard to believe that even with his struggles right now, that somebody wouldn't take a chance on Amir. So I don't think you can do that. You got to figure out a role for him. He's got to be like the last guy off the bench or last guy off the bullpen. Maybe he's an opener. Maybe you designate him as an opener, and as soon as he stops spotting the other team runs, then you can trust him again. But right now, you cannot trust him with a lead that is less than slam range. You just can't. Because the two pitches that I've seen him throw, the fastball and the slider, the slider just looks like it is on a tee for every single hitter. They they know it's coming, they know where it's going, and they kill it. And then that just opens up the fastball to all kinds of problems for him because these guys are major league hitters. They're supposed to be able to hit the fastball, if nothing else. So Amir, they got to figure out what's going on with him because they need him to be good for the Reds to be good. But overall, it was a win. The losing streak's over, and now we turn our sights to tonight's game, which is going to be Jeff Hoffman against Walker Bueller. Jeff Hoffman has had a hell of a start to the season because I think we all expected him to just basically be Robert Stevenson since the Rockies and the Reds made that swap. But he's been a lot better. Hopefully he continues that tonight. Walker Bueller pitched twice against the Reds. I was looking at this in 2019. 12 and a third innings pitch. He gave up one earned run, which was a homer, to Jesse Winker in the second appearance against the Reds. So, hey, maybe Jesse can go yard on him tonight and be the 12th uh, game hitting streak. But anyway, um, he just dominated Reds hitters for 12 and a third. He did give up four unearned runs, but he had 15 strikeouts in those 12 and a third innings compared to just one walk. So this is going to be a tough matchup for the Reds lineup tonight, and they're going to have to support Jeff Hoffman. I think most people expect regression from Jeff Hoffman sooner rather than later, and it would only make sense to come up against the Dodgers and Chavez Ravine. So hopefully that's not the case, and hopefully he doesn't regress. Hopefully he just keeps pitching to a 2.6 ERA, but the peripherals are kind of showing that he's getting pretty lucky. So it's not going to be a huge surprise if it happens today. Hopefully not, though. Hopefully the Reds win and win the series against the best team in Major League Baseball because that would be a nice way to uh, forget about that seven-game losing streak. But, hey, it's over. There's no more losing streak right now. Maybe they can build a winning streak tonight. We're going to talk about all of that tomorrow on the podcast. And, And now I want to jump into the minor league preview. But before we get to that, This episode of the Locked On Reds podcast is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10. This collection features high-quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight 
and fairly priced so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. Today's episode of the Locked On Reds podcast is also brought to you by RockAuto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes like Fiat and Kia and the models like Pacifica, X-T5, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing only the brands his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts and tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. That's rockauto.com and in the How Did You Hear About Us section, type in locked on. Rock Auto has all of the parts that your car will ever need. This year, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft live. Get insight and analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft, April 29th through May 1st. All righty, we are going to talk about the Louisville Bats today here on this segment of the minor league season preview with our friend Doug Gray. If you missed part one, we talked about prospects, what to expect, guys that we could see in the major leagues, and some thoughts on Hunter Green as well. Today we're going to focus on the bats, the AAA side of things with Doug Gray. First of all, how uh, set in stone, obviously I don't think it's set in stone, but how many guys do you think are already determined to be starting at AAA this season, or is the roster ready to go? I, I, because it's AAA, it's never ready to go, because generally speaking, if something happens in the big leagues, they're going to pluck somebody from AAA. True. Uh, I mean, we, we saw it you know, just the other day, last week, uh, you know, the, the, the Reds had to call up Max Schrock. Um, you know, they, they needed an extra player and he was a guy who was playing at the alternate site and well, now he's up with the red. So that in theory pushes someone else up onto their roster. Um, but you know, there's still, you know, a little bit of time before the season starts. So injuries could happen. Trades could happen. Um, you, you just don't know, but I, I, I'd probably say, you know, 20 of these players are probably set in stone, um, uh, to, to be on the bats roster. Um, and just, you know, little things here, there can kind of, you know, round out the rest of the roster who and, and I don't mean this it, it, I keep thinking of this question and it kind of almost sounds like an indictment on this player but who are we going to see the most in Louisville this year I mean I I don't mean it to sound like an indictment but yeah I mean you know <laughs> I, I, I I'm not even sure how to answer that question because I mean again it's one of those situations where 
you know, if somebody starts playing well and something happens in the big leagues, they're going to get called up. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, whether that's somebody that's on the 40-man roster or not, and it might not even be somebody who's exactly playing well, but they're playing the right position at the right time. Uh, maybe it's a pitcher, you know, that's, you know, it just happens to be their day to pitch, and it's a, there's a late scratch to, you know, somebody in the rotation for whatever reason, and then, you know, it, they're the guy that's ready to go. Um, and, you know, it, sometimes opportunities like that, they, they can they can make things happen. Let's just say, you know, hey, this guy's only pitching okay in the AAA rotation, but he does get caught up in that scenario and pitches well in the big leagues. Well, let's say he's got to make another starting pitch as well. Um, yeah, if that starting pitcher that he came up for comes back, of course he's going to take that spot. But maybe that guy earned the right to stay in the big leagues and they just push him to the bullpen and maybe a long relief role – uh, because somebody else in the bullpen wasn't pitching well, and then that guy gets sent down. Yeah, AAA is just that it's that level that's just weird because of things like that. Ahead of this May 4th start with Louisville getting going, I know that there are some interesting guys, mostly on the pitching side. Who are you most keeping your eye on in the early going? Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're going to talk about the, the Louisville bats in terms of, you know, quote-unquote prospects, uh, you're, you're pretty much looking at the starting rotation. Um, you're going to have a guy like Vladimir Gutierrez, uh, you know, Riley O'Brien and Tony Santion. Those are the guys that would generally be in your top 25 prospects for the Reds, uh, wherever you look at. Um, you know, I, I think that that's probably going to be the strength of this team. But, uh, you know, Gutierrez kind of stands out a little bit more right now in terms of his his readiness to me. Uh, more so as a reliever, uh, his his velocity has ticked up as a starting pitcher uh, in the last year. So you you do like that, but uh, until you really get to see it in games, you know, and how hitters react when he's doing it for you know five six innings, that that's a question that I have for him because I've never really loved his fastball. You know, he can locate it well, but it just it just seemed like guys could see it um, in the past, and so you know I kind of want to see how that plays out a little bit, but. Gosh, his secondary stuff is so good that I, I think that in shorter stints, I, I could really feel comfortable counting on him right now in the bullpen. Um, but, you know, if, if there's a chance that a guy can, you know, develop as a starter, you're, you're going to look at that as long as you possibly can. And so, you know, that that makes a lot of sense. I think that he's probably going to be the, the, the number one guy in the Louisville rotation. Um, you know, Riley O'Brien, you know, the Reds picked him up last year um, from Tampa Bay. Haven't really got a chance to see too much of him. Um, but you know, he, he's, he's a well-regarded guy, but he's probably more of the, you know, that, that number four caliber starting pitching prospect, not somebody who's going to, you know, go out there and show the same kind of stuff as, is Vladimir Gutierrez or even, even Tony Santion. Um, now Santion's a guy we saw in spring training this year, uh, with the big league club. He's on the 40 man roster, uh, you know, tantalizing stuff, but the inconsistency is still there. Um, so, you know, he's a guy, I mean, he's still, he's still pretty young. I'm pretty sure he's still just 23 years old. Um, you, you want to see him become more consistent. If he can do that, you're looking at a really good starting pitcher. If he can't do that, then you're probably going to push him to the bullpen at some point because that stuff will definitely play up in one in uh, shorter stints. When it comes to Pat Kelly being the guy in charge, what do you know about Mr. Kelly? I mean, he, he's been around forever. He, he's what we, we call a baseball lifer. Um, and so, you know, there, there's not going to be a situation that presents itself that he probably hasn't experienced both as a player and as a manager. Um, and so, you know, when it, when it comes to, you know, stuff like that, you know, if there's something going on with the player, you know, he can you know, provide, you know, real life examples of, you know, hey, this happened to me here. If it's a pitcher, which he, he wasn't a pitcher, you know, he can be like, hey, you know, this happened to my teammate 
you know, X, Y, and Z. And, you know, these are the things that, you know, we, you know, did or that they did to kind of, you know, help us get beyond that point or to improve this thing that you're, you're struggling with. Um, and, you know, I, I think that the way that I look at um, you know, AAA really is it's, it's more of a finishing school. Um, it, it's just picking up those, those last little few things. Uh, and, you know, I think that that's where someone who has really been around for a long time can, can really help out because there are so many guys that, you know, AAA is generally speaking full of guys that have been to the big leagues at some point. Um, you know, if you're a real prospect, you don't hang around in AAA for very long. Because the team knows that, hey, they're almost ready. They get you into the big leagues, you know, the second that they do believe that you are ready. Because generally speaking, they believe that you're going to be a long-term part of their organization and their team. Um, but Triple A's filled with guys that have been there. Um, and, you know, for whatever reason, they're, they're back in Triple A now. But they've got that experience. They, they've, they've been around for a while. They've seen these things. Uh, and so, you know, having a, a manager that's been around for uh, Pat, if you're listening, I'm sorry, but I'm calling you a little bit old here. Not, not purposely, but you know, it, it is what it is. Um, you know, having all of those things to look back on and, you know, those prime examples to be like, Hey, been there, done that, seen this, seen that. I think that those things really can help. He sounds like the perfect dude to have down there. I'm, I'm know that he's going to be dealing with a lot of different guys going back and forth when it comes to the relievers and stuff like that. What kind of guys in the position aspect? I know there's not a ton of guys that turn heads or anything like that, or at least set off the alarms starting out, but is there anyone on the positional side of things that you could see getting up to Cincinnati? I mean, there's a few guys, but I don't really know. Like looking at, you know, kind of how I project the roster right now, I'm not sure there's anybody that I, I look at and think, okay, this guy's going to be a difference maker on this Reds team. Um, you know, I, I look at a lot of the, the outfielders, for example. You know, they look like guys who could come up and be, you know, that fourth, fifth outfielder in, in normal situations. But the Reds have a ton of outfield depth as it is right now anyways. Uh, you know, you've got Nicky Delmonico, uh, Narciso Crook. You know, Mark Payton's kind of been back and forth. Um, so I, I imagine that at some point he'll be back in Louisville. Um, you know, those guys are... They, they they have things that they can do for a big league team, but, you know, they're going to be that final piece off of the bench. Um, you know, on the infield, you, you've got, you know, Alfredo Rodriguez is a shortstop. I, you know, I'm not sold that he's ever going to hit enough to do much at the major league level, but the guy can play defense. And if the team wants, you know, Jose Garcia to, to continue to develop and, you know, hopefully nothing happens to Eugenio Suarez, but if it does and they need someone to come up to be a backup shortstop, because I'd, I'd, I'd imagine they would just play Kyle Farmer at shortstop if that were to happen. Right. Uh, but you, you would need that backup guy. Maybe Alfredo Rodriguez is that guy. Um, but I, I think that that's kind of the situation we're in where, you know, anybody that does get caught up, at least from the initial proje projected roster that I've got for AAA right now, they're going to be that, you know, final guy off of the bench. Um, not somebody who's going to come up and really be kind of a quote-unquote difference maker and everyday kind of guy. All right, we are going to talk about the Chattanooga Lookouts on the next segment on tomorrow's podcast. And if you missed Doug talking about the top prospects in yesterday's podcast, make sure and check that out. Doug, appreciate you, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Cannot wait. Today's episode of the Lockdown Reds podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. We've got Major League Baseball rolling along. There's also NBA as they near the playoffs. You've got NHL as well. 
all kinds of great sports are on betonline.ag. They even cover award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine can also be found there. BetOnline has you covered. For all the news, scores, and odds, it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website today, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up and receive 50% as a welcome bonus, 50% more on your initial deposit. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Go there today and enter the promo code Locked On to get that 50% welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag and the promo code Locked On. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. That's the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. All right, so we got through the beginning, the, the, the infancy years of the Reds. In our last segment yesterday on the podcast today, we're going to start to look at when baseball became more industrial. And it just kind of happened to coincide with when America became more industrial. And that is the early years of the Cincinnati Reds in the National League, the 1900s leading all the way up to 1919. And to do that, we have our expert on Reds history. Cam Miller is back with us again all week we're talking about Reds history. Thank you so much, Cam. And, and let's look at this early 1900s, the dead ball era Reds. Right. So you you have the the the, the 1900s, and it, you go, you go back just a little bit to 1882, and the Reds win their first championship, in the American Association. So that really solidifies them as a powerhouse. Because remember, there was no baseball after the Red Stockings. There was no professional baseball. Then they join the National League, and then they leave the National League, and then they join, and then they leave. So they go back and forth. And it's not until 1882 that they become champions in their very first year in the American Association. So they're very dominant in the 1880s. They're very good in the 1890s. They move from um, Bank Street grounds over by um, Alabama Avenue and Western and Bank Street. They move to Finley and Western, where they would stay until 1972, or 1970, excuse me, and demolished 1972. And that's when really, like you said, uh, America has changed. Now people are starting to get um, um, the transportation is easier to get to the park. The, the, the trains and the trolleys are more efficient. Um, you can get to these ball, ballparks now across the country much easier. Fandom is, is growing because you now have superstars. And one of the superstars in the late 19th century, early 20th, is of course, Bid McPhee, Hall of Famer, who I believe is that you down at Great American Ballpark. Perhaps we'll talk about that one day on another episode. But you have this now, it's, it's a different different era. It's a different style of game. The rules have changed a little bit. You're starting, pitchers are pitching from 60 feet. Home runs are not yet part of the program because you're still in this dead ball um, era of baseball. But it's, it's just an interesting time for the Reds because it became the pastime at that point. And it's funny to mention, like back in this time, the Reds were playing in a city that really, by today's standards, are completely different. Obviously, America changed quite a bit from then to now, but they added states and all this other stuff. But at the same token, being a bigger city, a 
technically like almost at that point a bigger market although there wasn't television or radio or anything like that that was getting around when it came to what really drew Reds fans in what is the thing that really just solidified baseball as Cincinnati's sport because I still feel like even today like as much as baseball itself has gone through a bit of a change, maybe not necessarily for the better, especially when it comes to the big sports in our country. It still feels like that Cincinnati is a baseball town. What really got it going at this period in Reds history? I really think it's because of how we were a, a considered small market then. It was a neighborhood thing. You played stickball in the streets and in the alleys. You knew somebody that was associated with the Reds. You probably had an uncle that worked as a ticket taker. It was an affa- it was a family affair, and we had something to look back on. Where other cities had more things to do, New York had their operas. Chicago had a music scene. Every city had their thing, quote unquote. But Cincinnati, for whatever reason, it was baseball, and it was based upon that early tradition of fans flocking out to Union grounds, and it continued uh, on that trek and. Once baseball grew as a sport, in turn, in Cincinnati, it, it was still a family affair. As big as it got, it was still a little micro a neighborhood thing. This is our team and our little neck of the woods, and they took great, great pride in it. Also, the parade in the, in the late 19th century, the Finley Market Parade, and how that started to take hold. It was an event, opening day became a big event, like no other place in the world, in the country where baseball was played. You didn't have that special day. Because it was so important to not only the economy of Cincinnati, but to family pride and tradition. And you don't, and to this day, you don't see that anywhere else. That has continued through all of the years. And I think really in the early, as as the as the clock turned and the 20, 20th century dawned, that is really when we started to see families taking their dads were taking their kids out to the game now. Um, it was more of like, we're also gonna take grandma out to the game and, and the wife's coming. And it was just it was a family thing, and you look forward to the season. You go back and look at the newspapers, and the newspapers will tell you the, the, the story. I mean, if you look at the little blurbs, everybody played in the team, a knot-hole team. It was a knot-hole then, but you get the idea. There was just this thirst for baseball to play it, to watch. And, of course, as we move forward, radio comes into play, and then it continues to grow, and then TV, and et cetera, et cetera. So it, it was just because, I think, of how – we were such a small team, town that, that the team became a part of the neighborhood. It was you were a part of it. it you felt like you belong. And it's that sense of pride that still continues that I think is why baseball is so important in our area. So I also want to look at the first World Series championship that the Reds won. The, the World Series itself wasn't even 20 years old just yet, but the Reds didn't really have that much success until 1919. And obviously the biggest story around that World Series was the Black Sox scandal. And and, and there's been some coverage and some people that have finally you know, as far as historians go, come out and defended the Reds and talked about how good that team was and how it's unfair to label them as the only reason that they won was because the White Sox threw the series. It's because of guys like Ed Roush and, and uh, uh, Bid McPhee and those guys that the, the Reds were even that good at that point. And so when you look at this World Series, how was it received by the city? Obviously, coverage is so much different back then 100 years ago but how did reds fans take that win oh it was unbelievable that was really truly the first big event 
in Cincinnati history, if you think about it. That was where all eyes were on our city. The entire sporting world was just transfixed on Cincinnati, this World Series. And the Reds were better. They were the best team. And it was kind of like this underdog thing to where we're going to show those big Chicago guys who's the boss. You had Ed Ralph, uh, center fielder, absolutely dominating baseball at that time, probably the star. Think of him as like the Ken Griffey Jr. of the era, just a superstar. But the city itself embraced it because of the fact that it was the first time that a World Series had come to this. And in those days, every newspaper, the town was filled with sports writers across America. There wasn't guys just watching MLB Network or somewhere where they could just write about it and write a blog post about it. It was, <laughs> you went to the game to watch it. And it. But that was the first big sporting event in the history of the city. A different time, of course, but an amazing time. Well, that is awesome. I I would have loved to have gotten to witness like different things like that back then. And I love that we're getting to talk about this now. Coming up on our next segment tomorrow, we are going to look at the in-between times. This is before you really had the the 1940 World Series. This was during the time whenever the Yankees really took off. And how did the Reds fare during that time? That's coming up on our next segment here with Cam Miller, looking through the diamonds of the past. But that's going to do it for us here today. Thanks again for listening. Make sure that you are following the podcast on whatever app you're currently listening to. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and follow the show at Locked On Reds and save the Locked On Reds line number into your phone at 513-549-0150. We're going to continue with the minor league preview and looking back through history with Cam Miller tomorrow as well as more reactions to the Reds and Dodgers. But that's going to do it for us here today. I'll talk to each and every one of you tomorrow. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.